now the super genius, Mark Madden. Come, son of Jor-El, kneel before Zod. Oh, hi. Um, <laughs> Always great to hear from the lady callers. DX at 105.9. Joining me now in studio from DKPittsburghSports.com, he is Serbian reactionary Dayon Kovacevic. Dayon, we'll start very briefly with Pirate Talk. Uh, Anthony Alford is 0 for 19 with 15 strikeouts on the season. How the frig is he in the major leagues? I said earlier he shouldn't be sent to AAA. He should be sent down to T-ball. Yeah, he's he's been a massive, massive disappointment. And if you go back to when he was acquired last year, he was considered, just in 2018, Mark, one of the top prospects in all of baseball. So when the Blue Jays let him go, I think the Pirates were smart to give him a shot. But even now, you can already see that it's it's wearing on all of them. Derek Shelton has not only been going with Dustin Fowler out there, but now with Wilmer Defoe last night, just because Defoe had a couple hits the night before. Hey, Mark, what's going to happen in center field, I can tell you this right now, is they're going to end up bringing up Jared Oliva and or Cole Tucker and just say, you know what, one of you two just figure it out. Yeah, I, I think that's actually a good idea. Now, mm-hmm. did you go to the game last night? What was your favorite part of the game? I got it narrowed down to the 17 walks. <laughs> Here it comes. Defoe's golden sombrero, which is the four strikeouts, or just the sheer joy of four hours of crap baseball? Well, I would take uh, Jacob Stallings' two-run double in that, the first inning. That wasn't inning. one of the options. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's one of mine. I, I, the Pirates were 7 for 15 with runners in scoring position, and they chased one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. Uh, you know what? When you get... Down like the Pirates have, obviously, record-wise, as was anticipated. And then you see Chad Cool go out there and pitch as horribly as he did. Uh, the fact that you'd keep battling against someone like Blake Snell, uh, to me, says that the, the season isn't going to end up being some kind of catastrophe. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I you're going to see, well, from a record standpoint, but they need to get better. Individuals need to get better, and the, and some of them are, some of them aren't. No, I it never crossed my mind that the Pirates had individuals that needed to get better. Now, will Musgrove pitch a no hitter tonight, or <laughs> and does he deserve a tribute video? That's a more important question. I think he already got one. Yeah. When? Yeah, uh, that was that was done on the on the very first night. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, uh, will he pitch a no hitter? Double no hit. No, Joe Musgrove. He, no, he won't. Uh, and if anything, if you, you sure? go, if you go back over Musgrove's history with the Pirates, he would pitch great. And they need to get hurt. So his chances of either are either that he's oh going to pitch Oh, my God, you're great. hoping he gets hurt. No, I'm not hoping he gets hurt. I really like the guy. But I'm saying as far as what ends up happening, there's as much a chance of him getting hurt as there is of him pitching great. Uh, I, I think the Pirates, especially at the top of the order right now, are swinging the bats really well. I don't think you're going to see a no-hitter, assuming you were asking that question in any straight context. No-hitter. I can feel it. There now, it comes. Steelers uh, <laughs> brought Vince Williams back. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure at a very low rate. Very low. Uh, isn't he kind of obsolete, though, the run-stopping linebacker in a pass-first league? I, I, I get it. They're familiar with them. But, boy, I think they make too many decisions based on trying to stay in a comfort zone that doesn't win very many playoff games. Well, if you look at what the nature of the Steelers' decision was, they've clearly, Mark, and I don't know that I agree with this, but they've clearly made a decision that Robert Spillane is the guy. Uh, I, 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 Do you think Spillane's going to start ahead of Williams? I don't, but I think they think that now. I, I think you're going to see Vinny come into training camp that and beat him That never crossed my mind that Spillane was their projected starter. Oh, why else would they have made the moves that they did? Because they were talking to two guys here the rest of the way. It was, it was to Vinny and it was to, uh, to Avery Williamson. And if Vinny was going to say no, they were going to offer Avery Williamson basically that spot. So you come in and be the backup to Spillane. I don't think it's going to happen. Did you know 
I didn't know this until today that Vince Williams was seventh in the NFL last year in tackles for losses, even though he missed two games. Uh, that's a guy who's having an impact on your team in in the backfield. See, I just think Sacks, that kind of linebacker is obsolete. I look at Tampa Bay with the two quick yeah, inside yeah, yeah. backers, and I know you can't go out and get a guy like no, that you on, draft on demand. Him. You got to draft him, but boy, maybe they should. I, I, I think I think it's still a possibility, Mark. I think if you're talking about giving like Devin Bush a partner in crime, so to speak, uh, that you would have someone out there who could play the same kind of game that he does. What that ends up. Help the way that ends up helping your defense is that that eliminates the whole oh no we lost Mike Hilton thing because now you don't need to have seven slot corners and other guys running around in the middle of the field you can have linebackers doing that uh, but do it doing X amount of it anyway but you still got to stop the run and I I, I had been between Alulu and Vince being gone I really thought the Steelers had left themselves exposed in the middle regardless of what era it is. Uh. Let's move to the Penguins because they're actually relevant. Uh, what's your take on the Carter trade and the way the lineup will be shuffled to fit in Carter? I'm not outraged by the line. I saw it practice today with Zucker on the right and McCann on the left uh, flanking Carter, but it did surprise me. Uh, I'm uncomfortable with Zucker on the right. Uh, I'll take Mike Sullivan's word for it that the coaching staff has seen uh, enough of him over there or that they went no, through they haven't. film. No, they have That's just a lie. Or that they went through film of his history, and as Sullivan did give some specifics about certain things that might serve him well over there, but I, I don't like that idea. I think what Sullivan ended up doing was this. He created a way to get Jeff Carter onto the second line without having to mess anything else up because he's ultimately going to want Carter to be at center. You yeah, see what I'm saying? Well, when Gino comes but back, why can't Carter can stay at center if Gino doesn't come he back. He can, but then you're then you're putting Carter on your third line, and you're not you're not loading up your best possible second line right now. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I do. The second line, if Gino doesn't come back, would be uh, Carter between McCann and Kapanen. Yeah, or right. Would, or would Zucker be there? Yeah, and then that's what I'm saying. I think you're going to end up seeing. Look, one way or another, when. If everyone is ever healthy again, your second line, I think you'd agree with this, is going to be Geno, Kapanen, and McCann, right? If Geno comes back, but that, that was my next question. Do you he, believe he'll be back? Oh, yeah. He's skating. He's doing drills right now. You're not. He's not doing that for nothing. Really? Playoffs are a month away. Then how come he's not going to be back for another three weeks? We don't know that he won't. Okay. I mean, really, they, Hextall said. In, in, I'm skeptical. I know, I know, but Hextall, the only guy that Hextall really cast a pall over. Brandon Tanev. Was Brandon Tanev. That was the one where he just said, we just don't know. But with Gino, he said pretty definitively he'll be back before the playoffs. So the fact that Gino's out there right now in uniform doing actual hockey drills, he's not just standing there, he's doing actual hockey drills, I think he's not. He's not a risk to miss playoff games. I hope you're right, but I'm skeptical, and I'm skeptical that he'll be what they need him to be immediately upon returning. That's the biggest concern because we saw how long it took him to crank it up this season. Now, that was a different circumstance. He was working his way back into shape, back into conditioning. Or so we're told. And this season, uh, through the season, you would hope that he had already achieved that, and then, of course, he's maintained that conditioning while being hurt. Uh I like the Carter shoots first. Of all the things mm -hmm. that he brings to the table, that's the attribute I think the Penguins need first. I look at the impact McCann has made uh, using that approach. I like Carter shoots first and Carter shoots best. How about that? Because if you go back to Jeff Carter's history... Well, yeah, but eight goals in 40 games this No, year. no, no. I was going to say, if you go back through his history, 
He's had a very good career shooting percentage. This year, he's at a career low with 6.3. So he hasn't been finishing his chances. Maybe that's the result of the whole, you know, the Kings not being good and his not having the supporting cast or whatever else here. The other thing about Jeff Carter, I think a lot of us think of him because his highlight goals over the years have been those ones where he comes flying down the right side and, and finishes from distance. I think it 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 uh, obscures the fact that he's actually gotten most of his goals from really yeah, tight quarters. Six of eight this year have been near the blue paint. Exactly, and that's actually where the Penguins, I think, have needed some help in that regard. No, I don't hate the Carter trade. How um, could you? Well, I I hate giving up draft picks. So that's do why. I. But you know, but isn't it odd that Hextall's first trade got a very typical Penguin type player? It was a trade Jim Rutherford could have made. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, only only Jim might have given up a second rounder for him. So if we're going by Patrick Marlowe standards, um, that's one of the reasons that I'm okay with the, with the trade. Uh, the third rounder, the conditional third rounder and fourth rounder, uh, I, I can live with that. It's not ideal. My favorite line from Hextall, which, by the way, as soon as he spoke it the other day, he tried to take it back, and to me it was too late. He said the players forced us to do this, and then he said, well, maybe that's not the right way to put that. And I'm thinking, yeah, actually, actually, that was the well, right way to I, put it. I know it. what he means. I don't, think the, I don't think the players came into his office and demanded you know to get I mean. somebody. You know what but I mean. I, I think, to be honest, I think that they would have dumped a few NHL roster players and gotten draft picks or prospects but the Penguins double-crossed Hextall and Burke by playing so well. Yeah, that's that's kind of it. You know, I guess the part that surprised me about the Carter trade, and maybe it should, maybe it shouldn't, is that he had all these left-handed defensemen to give. Now, that doesn't mean that Los Angeles wanted them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, but, it he, takes but, he, two. but he, did, he didn't want to trade a Pedersen because he doesn't think POJ's ready. Right. Uh, steadfastly, they do not think POJ's ready. Exactly, and the Kings wouldn't want Yuso Rikola, so it, it takes two to tango in these things, and yeah, I'm okay with it. I, look, if I drew up a blueprint for the kind of player that I wanted the Penguins to get, it would be Jeff Carter, but like four years ago. Do you know what I'm saying? I would have wanted Anthony Manta, but not at the price the Washington Capitals paid Detroit. We're talking to Dejan Kovacevic here on the X. He's brought to you by your neighborhood Ford stores. Uh Speaking of, of, of that trade the Capitals made and all the moves that got made at the deadline by East Division teams, uh, who did the best job at the deadline in the East and who has the best team in the East right now? Uh, those are probably two different answers to two different questions there. I think the, the, the best moves at the deadline, the most aggressive, uh, was Washington. Uh, I'm not crazy about what they gave up for the long term, but that's not the way you're assessing it for this season. Um, Anthony Mantha is a, a terrific player that's going to help the Capitals out. And they out. wanted to get big. They and wanted they, to be able to, I believe, use that. that yeah. That's a deal they made if they have to play the Penguins. Yeah, and they were down on Jakob Vrana, too, and his inconsistencies. We could see Vrana do incredible things, and then then you'd look at his stat line and you'd go, hang on a second, what's this all about? Yeah, but I think Vrana's a more talented player Vrana's than Vrana's absolutely more talented, but that's not what the Caps were looking for at, the, at this point in time. As far as the team, the, the team that's going to be the best in the division, you know, this sounds preposterous to say, considering the Penguins have just mopped up on them all year long, but I'm still in the Islanders' corner on this. You know, uh, the Penguins did go 6-2 and two against them. I don't consider losing Anders Lee to be a devastating thing. And if it was, then adding Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac, both of them, uh, mitigated that. The question is whether or not the Islanders can get the level of goaltending that they need and consistency from Semyon Varlamov, and I'm 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 doubtful about that, but I'll take the Islanders on paper. Yeah, I agree. And the 
funniest part of the way this season has gone and now the trade deadline, because I do not believe Boston helped themselves one bit by getting Taylor no, Hall. No, no. In fact, that may backfire. Uh, I think Taylor Hall is going to be out of the league in like two or three hey, years. Hey, Mark, you know, whenever Winnipeg and Columbus made that trade, the, the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade and Patrick Line, you had two guys who basically quit on their respective teams. Funny how that works when they switch sides. What's ended up happening? They've still done nothing. When you quit, you've quit. And I, when Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall quit worse than anybody in the National Hockey League this season. If you think he's just going to wake up one day in, in, in Boston and turn it on, you're nuts. No, and they gave almost nothing up for him, so I understand exactly. the gamble. But, but, you know, I would love for the Penguins to play Boston in the playoffs now. And I, and I would never have said that when the season started. No, I guess the one thing about Boston that would still scare you is if they get their goaltending you know, fully healthy, they still have the best tandem in the division with Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak, but they haven't been healthy. You know who else hasn't been healthy in Boston? Like all of their defensemen. Um, well, McAvoy's been out, and he you know, has had the shoulder... Maybe too big of a burden with Chara and Krug having left. So if you had, they're different sides. If you had to play Boston right now, I'd take them. If you had to play Boston in a month and everybody got healthy, I'd be a little leery of it. Now, uh, how can the Penguins deal with Washington's size if it comes to that? Because Mantha doesn't play big, but he is big. He has that bulk. Ovi and, and, uh, and of course, Tom Wilson are borderline sociopaths. How can the Penguins deal with that? I mean, I know they cannot skate him, but... Well, you've said this yourself consistently throughout the season, and that's that the Penguins skate around these guys, and they do. Uh, they've been able to do that all season long. The Capitals aren't plodding slow, but they're significantly slower well, they're than close the, to it. Yeah, but they're significantly slower than the Penguins are. And but if the you, thing is, if you've got a big team and you go out there and get a lead, you can make the rink smaller. Yeah, and if you if if you forecheck, look, go back to 2017 that that series in particular, where. Actually, both of them, 2016 and 2017, when the Penguins faced Washington. Washington was like twice the Penguins' size. And they they were murdering them out there. They were murdering the Penguins. What happened? The Penguins just held the puck, kept playing, kept the puck deep in the Washington zone, put the puck on net. They ended up getting through Braden Holtby, who, by the way, was out of his mind in both of those series. And they still ended up getting enough pucks there to make it count. Now, you touched on this a moment ago, but did Hextel do the right thing in leaving his defensive core alone, what are the pros and cons there? I'm not sure he had a choice. I mean, I'm going to use that forced us term again here. I, I, I think when you look at the way all three of these pairings have set up and the fact that you could make a reasonable argument right now that Cody Cece and Mike Matheson are a legit second pair, like are a legit top four pair, that all you need out of these six is Marcus Pedersen to get back to where he was, and he's kind of starting to do that. This is a, a guy who's had a, a career filled with consistency. You would like to think his chances are good of bouncing back. Uh, what would you do with it? You know what I mean? Who would you bump? And what would you give up to bump someone from that group? Uh, I don't see it. Are you going to the power game again tonight? I am. Why would you do that? Because it's my job. It's what I do. Oh, I, I. You what? Do all the pirate writers <laughs> go every game? I don't know. I don't keep. I don't do a roll call when I get there. Well, perhaps you should as a respected veteran. That's Dave Zunkovacevic. <laughs> I'm Mark Madden. Now it's time to Ask Mark Anything. Ask Mark Anything. Dial 412-333-WXDX.